A very good morning to you. Thank you. If you'd like to grab your, grab your coffee, grab a tea, grab a donut, grab a seat. We'll get cracking. My name's Neil. I'm married to Kate. We lead this church in Southwest London Vineyard. If you're new here, as Mike said, you're very welcome. It's lovely to see you all. Uh, before we go too much further into our subject this morning, I just wanted to take a, a couple of moments of your time, if I uh, may. Uh, just in case you weren't already aware, uh, in just under a, a little under two weeks' time, um, we will have the opportunity to have our say in what many are calling one of the most important uh, political, social, cultural decisions of a generation. And uh, just in case you've been on Mars for the past several weeks, or indeed uh, wish that you had been, uh, I'm of course talking about the EU referendum. No, I'm not. I am absolutely not talking about the EU referendum this morning, but I am talking about it right at this moment. Um, let's see. Um, as we've always said, if you've ever been around this sort of around us, whenever we find ourselves in a position whereby those of us who are eligible can go to the ballot box and cast a vote in any particular kind of election, you'll know because we say this every single time is that it's not our job to tell anybody here how to vote. Okay, first thing. However, <laughs> however, uh, I'm always going to be very, very careful. Um, I do believe that if you look at the scriptures, if you look at what the scriptures say, um, the scriptures are very clear that as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we have a responsibility to discharge our civic duties uh, properly and faithfully. And so as Christians, uh, Whilst we may not be saying this is how we think anyone here should vote, uh, what we should be doing is encouraging one another to vote. We should be encouraging one another to participate properly and fully in the democratic process. As Christians, we should not be withdrawing and throwing our hands up and saying, I'm having nothing to do with this, this doesn't affect me at all. Uh, our job, I believe, is to encourage a thoughtful, uh, prayerful, uh, political engagement, okay? And uh, so I wanted to just take this opportunity really just to do that. This is as far as I'm going. You'll be glad to hear. Uh, I just want to use this opportunity to exhort the church, encourage this church, encourage all of you to encourage one another uh, to thoughtfully and prayerfully engage with this uh, very important political process. And whether you choose to vote to leave the EU or to remain uh, in the EU, EU on the 23rd of June, um, our hope would be and our heart would be that the decision that you have made, the decision that you have taken, has been prayerfully uh, made. Uh, it has been as thoughtfully made as you possibly can and as best you possibly can, as best you know how, um, you've tried your level best to apply the principles and the 
the truths uh, and, and, and the, the heart of what you find um, in the scriptures. Okay? Um, and that's really all we would, that's really all that we would ask, and that's all that we would uh, want to encourage you to do. A few weeks ago, the Church of England, they issued a prayer for the EU referendum. I thought it would be good that we prayed it. This is it. So let's just pray, shall we? God of truth, give us grace to debate the issues in this referendum with honesty and openness. Give generosity to those who seek to form opinion and discernment to those who vote, that our nation may prosper, and that with all the peoples of Europe, we may work for peace and the common good, for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, um, last week, for those of you who are here, we began a series, we began a series looking at how it is that we handle ourselves when we're facing challenges, or when we're facing difficult situations. As we said last week, the reality is that whilst we may not get to choose if we face trials, whilst we may not get to choose when we face them, whilst we may not get very much say in what difficulties we are going to have to face, we do have the ability to decide how we're going to respond to those situations. And so last week what we did is we took a, a bit of a whistle-stop tour through one Samuel, I think chapter 16 through to 30, uh, we looked at the life of David and we looked at some of the challenges that he faced and particularly how it was that he handled himself in and through uh, some actually very great challenge, you know, some, some, um, some very real rejection, some, some deep disappointment. And one of the verses that it seemed to us that was crucial one of the things that I was highlighting was a verse in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, when it says, And David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And, and effectively, that's, that's David's version of what we find in James chapter um, uh, uh, 1, verses 2 to 4, when, when James writes and says, Consider it all joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials and tribulations of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then he goes on, he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Uh, this, is David's, um, this is David's way, it's, it's an encouragement really um, of, um, of, and of helping us to keep our Challenges and circumstances in their proper perspective. At 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, I think, sums it up perfectly. It says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an, an eternal glory, a crown of eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Um, so the question that we're asking is, how, did, how is it, how do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God when we're facing trials and challenges and tribulations of many Kinds. How are we to strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God when our light and momentary troubles, if we're honest, feel to us anything but light and momentary? They feel like they're going to crush us to smithereens. How are we to strengthen ourselves 
in the Lord our God at those times. Well, one of the ways that we do that, as we looked at last week, is through worship that we've just done. It's through uh, interrupting our preoccupation with ourselves and attending to the presence of the Almighty. It's by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's by having his perspective. It's by looking to him. Uh, And the other, um, as we said last week, is through the Word. It's through this book. It's through the Scriptures. It's through immersing ourselves in the words on these pages. It's about anchoring ourselves to the truths that we find on the scripture, in the scriptures. Uh, it, it's, it's when we're finding ourselves in times of trouble. It's when we're finding ourselves in times of cha- in challenge, holding fast to the promises that we find on every single page. And this week, what I want us to do, I want to carry on uh, looking at ways in which we strengthen ourselves in the Lord by looking at the subjects of thankfulness. Looking at the subjects of thankfulness and gratitude. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 17. I'm going to have a look at a passage and see if there's any way in which it can help us as we think through ways in which we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord, particularly through the acts of gratitude and of thankfulness, even in the midst of some of the most difficult challenges. So, Luke 17, I think we'll start, I think it's verse 11, says this, Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where, where, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Have a look at um, verses, so I think it's 11 to 13. Uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He's, he's going into a village. Ten men uh, with leprosy meets him, they stood at, stood at a distance and they uh, cry out in a loud voice, uh, Master, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. You know, when we're talking about difficulty, when we're talking about challenging situations, when we're talking about handling ourselves well, when we're in the midst or in the face of an ongoing or challenging situation, these guys, these ten, uh, are, they are in a truly awful position. This is a truly awful position. Leprosy uh, in any day. Leprosy in Jesus' day particularly was not only incredibly um, physically painful. Leprosy affected every single area of uh, your lives. Lepers were outcasts. They were socially excluded. They were separated and shut off from the rest of society. They were separated from their families and friends. They, They lived their lives completely apart in, in complete and total isolation, uh, separated from everything that makes you feel human. And Luke says here that they, 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 they stand at a distance. You know, in one translation it says they stood you know, afar off. Um, when we're talking about challenge, when we're talking about facing difficulty, being a leper in the first century, it's, it's kind of about as difficult and as challenging as it gets. And they're all, all ten of these guys, they are all in this awful 
position. And while it may not be on the same scale, um, the truth is, for us, uh, the things that we may be facing this morning, for some of us, we may be here this morning and we're facing uh, situations or we're facing difficulties, or we're facing challenges that, that in effect feel like they're putting us in a similar position to these ten lepers. We can kind of resonate. We can kind of go, oh, I, I kind of have a sense of what, it's nowhere near as bad as what those guys were going through, but I have a sense, I can, I can kind of empathize, I can understand something of what they were going through. Because the reality is, is that we're all in need. You know, we all face times when we can relate to something, at least, of what these ten chaps must have felt uh, from time to time because of the challenges we're dealing with. We can all feel isolated. Um, we, can all feel, we can all feel lonely. Uh, we can all feel um, separated from everyone and everything. And the, and the challenge and the difficulty that we're going through is, um, is something that I, 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 only I know about. I can only, I can only deal with it myself. I, I, it's an issue. It's a cause of shame. It's a cause of embarrassment. And so I, I can't even share it with anybody. And so we're going through that, and that's with that same level of isolation and separation that some of these guys uh, would have felt. Do you know what's so amazing, I think, um, not only for these uh, ten lepers here in this story, but also for every single one of us um, who's facing some kind of difficulty or some kind of challenge that's, that's keeping us apart, that's keeping us isolated, that's keeping us separated from those around us. Um, where the law says that man cannot go um, is exactly the place that Jesus himself goes. Do you see that? And um, where the law says... Because it's the law that prescribed that people should be kept away from the lepers. It was the law that determined and said, keep away from the unclean, lest you become unclean yourself. If you go near a leper under Jewish law, you too would become unclean. So keep yourself away from the lepers. And, and we translate that into our modern day language by saying, well, um, let's just keep away from people whose lives are a little bit messy, you know? It's all a bit kind of chaotic. It's all a little bit crazy. It's a little bit uh, messy. Let's, let's keep away from that because um, I, do, I don't want to become contaminated by their condition, by their plight, by their situation, by their circumstances. And that's what the law says. The law says keep away. And Jesus, Jesus like comes crashing in in that situation. like a bull in a china shop. He's like, get out of the way. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way in. It's like he finds out the very aspects and parts of society that the rest of us are all kind of like, I don't know if I want to go there. It's a little bit grubby. Jesus is like, excuse me, coming through. When the law says, pass by on the other, on the other side of the road, Jesus makes it his mission to connect. So that, that's what the cross is about. Jesus leaves heaven and comes to this sinful, fallen world and says, coming through, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm going into the very de depths of depravity to rescue humanity. So when these lepers, they can't get to Jesus, Jesus gets to them. When they couldn't come to him because of their uncleanliness, Jesus comes to them. He meets them. Um, but all these ten guys, they're all in the same um, position. And, and, and whether we are aware of it or not, whether we feel it or not, many of us, um, all of us, I think, at some point or another, are in exactly the same position. Uh, have a look at verses... Um, 13 and 14. It's just, just 
what happens next is that they stand at a distance and they cry out in a loud voice. And they cry out and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, and when Jesus sees them, Jesus says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And then as they go on their way, they're all cleansed. Uh, all ten of these guys, all ten of these lepers, they all pray the same prayer. They all cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And just a couple of things here to just notice as an aside, really. And the first thing is they're, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're observant. They, they recognize their own need. They see, they're mindful, they're aware of their own need. Because, you know, we don't cry out for help um, unless we're in need. But the loneliness, the pain of the disease that these were so evident um, to these ten lepers, that they, they, they knew that they needed help in the midst of their distress. They knew, that they knew that they needed relief. They knew they needed respite. They knew they needed someone to, to change the circumstances that they were in because it was so utterly miserable. And they also knew that there was no one who could help them um, except maybe, I don't know, but it, maybe... This guy, Jesus, that I've heard about who's going around town, and it, I, I've heard stories that he's healing people. So may, I don't even know who he is, but like maybe he can help us. They know that they need help, and so they cry out for mercy. They're observant. They're mindful of their need. And the second thing that's really interesting about them is, is their, their obedience. They're, they're obedient. Um, and and in prayer, kind of, I suppose, without obedience is, is, is pretty useless. It's pretty ineffective. Jesus tells them to go to the priest, and that's exactly what they do. All ten of them. They head off to the priest's house. Um, did you notice when we were looking at the passage that they're not healed instantly? They're not healed immediately. Um, they're healed as they go. As they went... To the priest's house, they're, they're cleansed. As they obeyed the word of the Lord, the command of the Lord to them, they were healed. So not only um, did all of them pray to Jesus, but Jesus, Jesus healed all of them. Okay? So we've got the position of all, we've got the prayer of all. And then we've got the, pray, the praise of one. We've got the praise of one. Uh, have a look at verses uh, 15 to 19. Um, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, uh, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, what are all ten clans? Where are, the, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And, and, and this is really where we get to the crux of it in terms of what we're looking at this morning. Here's, here's the key to the whole Issue. All of them were in the same awful position. All of them prayed. All of them were healed. Um, yet only one of them comes back with thanksgiving. Only one of them comes back when, with thanksgiving. Only one of them, when he was, saw that he was healed, turned back. Only one of them saw a reason to praise God. Only one of them saw the difference that Jesus has made. Only one of them saw this as an opportunity for thanksgiving. And um, what happens is uh, many of us, we see the need um, that we have to pray, but we, we don't necessarily all see the need to praise. We see the need to pray, 
but we don't necessarily all see the need to pray it. You know, we don't know how, um, we don't know how this healing happened. We, we, we're not told here. We, we just know that it was as they went, they were healed. We don't know how they were healed. You know, we don't know whether it was as, you know, this chap was walking up to the priest's house. He sort of, you know, looked down at his skin and his skin had started to improve. And he's like, wow, that, that, that looks better than it did this morning. Okay, that's a good sign. You know, we don't know whether it's because as they were kind of walking along the road and sort of through the crowds, they were expecting the crowds to kind of shout out, unclean, unclean, you know, and as, as he's walking back, that, that didn't happen. You know, we, we don't know how the healing um, came about, but what we do know is that when he recognized the fact that he'd been healed, immediately he stopped and he turned around and he made straight for Jesus. He made straight for Jesus. This one knew that he had a reason to thank God. Um, they, they all had a reason to thank God, uh, but he was the only one who saw it. And then what he does, which I think is fascinating, is with the same loudness, with the same volume, with the same intensity that he cried out for mercy, he praises God, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet in worship and thanked him. And it's, it's this gratitude, what I want us to see this morning, is this, this is the kind of gratitude, this is the kind of thankfulness, this is the kind of praise that will keep us strengthened in the Lord when we're facing challenges and difficulties. And the key to this, here the leper is, um, is, is thankful. He, he, he's, he's thankful uh, in response to the clear work of God in his life. He's just been healed of leprosy, right? So he's, he's thankful to the clear work of God in his life. The thing is, is that we are all to adopt the exact same position, the exact same attitude, the exact same approach of gratitude and of thankfulness and of praise, regardless of what things look like or how they seem to us at the time. At Psalm 100, very familiar with this, Psalm 100 uh, verse 4 says this, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, give praise to his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And the picture here in the psalm, in Psalm 100, is that of this entrance into God's presence. Uh, and no matter what we're facing, no matter how hard the circumstances of our lives, this is the way in which we um, enter into an audience with the king. We are to enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's like that's the first step that we take in order that we might enter his courts, in order that we might enter his presence. It all, it all always starts with thanksgiving. It's through thankfulness, it's through gratitude that we come through the gates uh, and into his presence. It's that thankfulness where we, we look to the work of God, we, we, we look to what God has done in our lives, we look to his uh, story, his, his history in our lives and all the things that he's done. And we acknowledge all that he has done. And 
when you're mindful of all of that, what other kind of response can there be for any of us but like the leper that we're going to give him glory and thanks and praise for it all? And we are going to uh, shout out his praise and shout out our gratitude as loud as we shouted out and cried out for his mercy. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. And this is where I think um, thanksgiving and praise and worship, they're all sort of inextricably linked in in some way. Um, And you look throughout Scripture and you see these three. You see thanksgiving and praise and worship. They're they're all sacrifices. They're all sacrifices. They're, they're, They're all offerings that we make to the Lord. And, and because they're sacrifices, whether that's a sacrifice of thanksgiving or whether that's a sacrifice of praise or whether that's um, our offering of worship, um, what that means is um, they're not necessarily convenient for us because they're sacrifices. And so because they're sacrifices, they're not actually about us and about our convenience. Um, the thing about a sacrifice is that it's expensive. The sacrifice costs something. It costs us something. That's what makes it a sacrifice. Okay, so what has all of this got to do with strengthening yourself in the Lord in the midst of challenge? Um, well, uh, everything, basically. <laughs> uh, everything, you see, because there's something equally important about acknowledging with thanksgiving and praise both the clear and demonstrated work of God in our lives when he's healed us from our leprosy, uh, like our leper's response to healing, and at the same time having the same response, the same decision when we're facing confusion and when we're dealing with loss and when we're in the midst of uncertainty or whatever it might be. And whenever we're in that situation, regardless of whether we can see the hand of God at work in our lives or whether we can't see God working in the way that we think that we should have done, making a decision and choosing to stand in that place where we are willing to give him thanks, where we are still willing and choosing and determining and deciding to give him the honor, where we're still going to give him the gratitude and we're still going to give him the glory, even when we're in the midst of situations that we do not understand and that we cannot control. And um, like all worship, like all praise, like all thanksgiving, sometimes it's just a decision. Sometimes it's, ju- it's just a choice. Um, uh, sometimes it's just an, an act of our will because uh, sometimes it's the last thing that we feel like doing but we're going to do it irrespective of how we feel. We're going to do it nonetheless. We're going to give God thanks in the middle and the midst of things that we can't explain. We're going to celebrate his goodness, even when we're in a situation where we don't understand what's happening or we don't understand what's happened or we don't understand why it's happening. We're choosing to thank God when we feel like it, and we're choosing to thank God when we don't. And, and that's kind of like, you know, welcome to the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom of God functions. It, it's how it works. And it's, 
so alien to so many of us because it's like, well, it's counterintuitive. That doesn't make any sense. I don't feel like it. And if I don't feel like doing something, I don't do anything. You know, particularly for us in the 21st century, it's not how the kingdom of God works. Um, we stand on uh, the truths of Scripture. Uh, we, we read the Scriptures and we know in the Scriptures that it says that you, uh, um, it is only, only the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive all glory and honor and praise forevermore. He alone is worthy. Okay, that's what it says. It's in Revelation. Okay, so he alone is worthy to receive all glory, all honor, and praise forevermore. And, and all this that we've experienced, all this that we're, ex uh, that we're going through, all these things that we don't understand, what we can't allow those things of our circumstances, we can't allow those things to negate or to cancel out what we do understand and what we do know to be true. Does that make sense? And we know that God is good. We know that God is good. We, we, we know that he is perfectly faithful. We know that he cannot lie. And, and so, irrespective of the circumstances, I, I, I'm going to choose to celebrate you, God. I'm going to choose to give you all glory, all honor, and praise forever. For only, you alone are worthy. I'm going to choose to give thanks to you. I'm going to choose to praise you. In, in the midst of all of this disappointment, in the midst of all of this doubt, in the midst of all of this uncertainty, carnage and chaos and... Ugh. Because I think if we can learn to do that, as we learn to do that, um, in the midst of our deepest tragedies, if we can do that when we can't even begin to fathom uh, what or where God is in this situation or in this circumstance... I think that's when we really begin to um, encounter the reality of the greatness and the goodness of God. Thomas, uh, Thomas Merton, he puts it like this. He says, um, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he's given us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is a grace, for it brings with it immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted. It is never unresponsive. It is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. Uh, theologian N.T. Wright, he, he affirms just the importance of gratitude for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, by reminding us, he says this, he says, when we learn to read the story of Jesus and see it as the story of the love of God, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, that insight produces again and again a sense of astonished gratitude which is very near the heart of authentic Christian experience. When we learn to read the story of Jesus and we see Jesus doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, it produces again and again a sense of astonished gratitude. We're going to, worship, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a minute. And as we do, we're reminded and we remember the cross. And as we remember the work of Jesus on the cross, 
that produces in us that sense again and again and again. Every time we come and we look at the cross and we remember the cross, it, it, it stirs in us every time, again and again, this astonished gratitude that the Son of the living God would step down from his throne on heaven and he would enter this world to bring about a redemption for a people that could not help or save themselves. And my only response to that is to fall on my face and say thank you. And gratitude. When we see, um, when we see all of life, I think, as a, as a gift from the hand of the creative God, when we um, develop a responsiveness to all things, whether those things are good, whether those things are hard, uh, and we develop this responsiveness, um, a, a, a responsiveness of gratitude, of thankful, thankfulness, um, gratitude then comes in and it does its own miraculous work. You know, gratitude comes in and uh, it heals the broken heart. It, it, it binds up divided times. It, it, it bridges relational gaps, you know, that have, that have been uh, formed and, have, and exist. It, it, it strengthens bonds of love. It, it strengthens us in our, our worship, the worship between us and the Lord, it, 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 it fixes marriages, it fixes families, it, it fixes um, friendships, it fixes us, it creates a sense of just, uh, it is well with my soul. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but, but actually, it's well with my soul because I'm thankful, because of that gratitude. I can say those things. Um, and so being grateful rather than critical, being thankful rather than cynical, being glad-hearted rather than bitter-minded is to be filled with the, the overflowing um, of an abundance that, that, that actually sustains us for life. And I just want to end with a prayer of thanksgiving. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. It's taken from the, um, uh, the 1689 Book of Common Prayer. thought you'd like it. Um, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a moment. Um, if, you're, if you're serving the Lord's Supper, if you'd like to um, go and take your places. Uh, the way that we celebrate the Lord's Supper here is, um, uh, if you know enough Jesus, you're more than welcome to join us. This for us is like a, it's like a family banquet, family feast. We gather together, we worship, we, part of our worship is our celebration of the Lord's Supper. And... Um, People in a minute will be stationed around the room and they'll have some bread and some grape juice. And in a moment, I'll just invite you to come up and just break off a little bit of the bread and dip it in the grape juice and take the Lord's Supper in your own time. And this morning, I just, my sense is the Lord would have us um, use this as an opportunity for us to engage in our thankfulness and to express our thankfulness to him and our gratitude to him, uh, even in the midst of some of the most difficult circumstances that some of you are facing. And I'm not asking you or suggesting that you uh, go into denial and you pretend that everything's easy and that you just gloss over it. But I'm asking all of us to uh, look for and to express our gratitude and thanks for the things that we can express our gratitude and thanks for. And certainly one of the things that we can express our gratitude and thanks for is the gift of Jesus, the Son of God. 
we can remember and we can give thanks for the fact that he has saved us and he loves us and he's rescued us and he's brought us with a price. He's redeemed us. He's set us free from slavery to sin and fear and death and all those things. So why don't you stand? Um, I'm just going to pray this prayer. Uh, you can pray along with me if you want. Uh, it's in the um, Book of Common Prayer language, but all the better for that. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to thy service and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. The band can come back um, and lead us. In your own time, come and take the Lord's Supper, and then we'll see what the Lord wants to do, and we'll minister to one another.